Proverbs 21.15 says, When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but tear to evildoers. We always love to watch shows where the main character gets justice on the evildoer who wronged them, but is that truly justice? What is the difference between God's justice and man's justice? Shouldn't we strive to seek the type of justice the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, has in store for us? Well, I believe so, and I look forward to engaging with you and talking about how we often speak about the lofty topics in the Bible, but never mention the weightier matters of God's Word. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to The Whitaker Show. This is a show geared towards talking about the many key lessons and takeaways of Christianity with an eye towards apologetics. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, afternoon, or night everyone and thank you so much for tuning in i really appreciate it you didn't have to listen to this right but you did so i'm grateful this show is blessed by its listeners and i hope to make this a great experience for everyone so that we can have more matters to discuss you know not only among ourselves the church um but in our churches and like with our families as well so that we can discuss god more and therefore discuss life more honestly so what did I mean earlier when I said that we should discuss the weightier matters? Well, well, let's see what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Big words by Jesus. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of, of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, without neglecting the former, Jesus said. Now, this is really important because Jesus spent a lot of time going after the Pharisees because they spent a lot of their time, honestly, adjudicating law from man's point of view. Now, there is a biblical precedence for God telling us that we are allowed to like render justice and that we are to do justice, right? And so like there is man's justice and, and, and then there is God's justice. We'd rather that there only be God's justice, but we do live in a world that's not perfect. But that's not the important part that Jesus was talking about, right? This is not to say that faith, love, and grace aren't weighty matters as well. You know, like the previous pillars that we mentioned before. Jesus even mentions mercy and faithfulness in that list that he said above. But why justice, right? Well, Jesus' commentary on the actions of the Pharisaical Jews at the time dove into the system of religion that was created by Jewish religious leaders to protect people from breaking one of God's commandments, right? So they had this whole culture framed around keeping, it was like 600 plus laws and, and of course, like the original Ten Commandments. And so they kind of made their own lives so that they can dictate themselves. For instance, we all do this in our own lives as well, where you'll put a restriction on on yourself for a perceived wrong that you find yourself doing. Like if you don't do the dishes, you have some sort of mantra or some sort of thing that you do in order to like remember that. And then like if you don't do the dishes, you feel bad. You know, you, you basically like created your own sin there. Well, that was the equivalent of what the of what the Pharisaical Jews back then were doing. Um, so there are man-made rules on a God-made system, right? So Jesus was saying that they are missing the boat when it comes to God. That when they're so, you know, legalistic and exacting, 
following obedience more than just his mercy and faithfulness, that can be corrosive to God's people. Let me give you a small history lesson. When mint, dill, and cumin were mentioned as taxable crops, right? Those are like spices. This was exactly as extreme as when like Deuteronomy mentioned all grain and wine. And then like Leviticus mentioned certain seeds of the land, fruit from trees and animals, and then from certain herds. Um, the Pharisees took this even further, right? So like, like they're the ones who added in mint, dill, and cumin. Now, Jesus doesn't condemn the fact that they added more stuff to tithe. He just, he just condemns their lack of love and their reliance on religious exercise, I should say, right? So furthermore, they're not only doing these actions to look good to the people, you know, like with their, with their religious adherence, but they're creating more laws that make you feel better about what you're doing. Being a Christian is not about feeling right. It's not about giving the appearance of of being right it is either being right or being wrong right so like if God says give your first fruits he's not kidding give your first fruits like if you get paid on the 15th you're tithing on the 15th now that doesn't mean you have to right and that's where you can get into like things that are way too pharisaical as far as law goes but that does mean that we have to look at what God is saying and we don't have to take it to the exact limit like man I earned ten dollars from PayPal and then like you get stressed out because you didn't uh, tithe, you know, what's that, like $1 on that $10. Like don't, don't stress. God doesn't want you to stress about your tithes. God's justice doesn't mean that you're stressed out about pleasing him, right? But it's kind of like the posture of your heart. You, you pray to God, right? And then, then you reach out to God for guidance in this. So like, for instance, if you feel led to tithe more, that is a journey not just an immediate action, right? You need to engage this as if it's a journey, not just a journey that's going to take a long time, but a journey that you're going to walk in your faith. That's why keeping in mind all these pillars and keeping in mind what your, what your goal is and why you feel led to do it are important, right? Let me not get too distracted here. So let me give you an example from, let me give you a nerd example from the the Revenge of the Sith, right? So in one of the most iconic movie series of all time, we see an episode of Star Wars called The Revenge of the Sith, right? Where the bad guys, at least according to the script, right? Move to take over the galaxy after decades of slowly infiltrating the Galactic Republic. That's the bad guy. His name is Sheev Palpatine, or else he's called Darth Sidious. Um, he spends his entire life focused on revenge and it spurs him to incredible power. Well, now, why do I mention this? Darcidius, though, in his power and darkness, forgets empathy and cannot read the anguish in his apprentice, Darth Vader, when he's torturing Darth Vader's son, Luke. Right? So like, he doesn't realize that all what's happening. He spent his whole life trying to get revenge on the light side for all the stuff that's happened in the past, blah, blah, blah. Darth Vader then picks up his master and throws him over the railing of the Death Star, but he, but he himself is killed like in the process, which ultimately as an image shows the corrosive nature of revenge and not only that but but a reliance on the dark side right a reliance on a base your emotions ruling your life now why the heck did i mention star wars well firstly because i'm a huge star wars fan especially before disney got a hold of it but i'm not going to get into that like 
I read all the books kind of fan. And by books, I mean there's like 50 plus expanding universe books. I'm just a huge fan of it. But anyways, we can see that revenge is a hot topic in our human world. I mean, it's part of our, all of our all of our books, all of our movies have some sort of element of revenge and getting man-made justice and having the epic action hero do all this stuff. Um, I mean, the Taken series of movies is an American favorite for revenge. I mean, that is like one of the biggest shows we have here in America. Why do we humans glorify revenge as justice? I couldn't tell you, right? One thing that I can say is that we are emotional people, first of all. And second of all, we all deeply desire wrongs to be righted so that it makes us feel better. Again, we want to feel better about what we're doing, about what's happening to us. And so getting justice from our point of view can often take, be like an aphrodisiac, you know, it can often be a, a stimulant for us to feel better or, or, or like a catalyst to move on, right? But it's not as important to me personally, and I think to many Christians, to get justice ourselves as much to see God's justice done. I mean, how many times in your life, for those that are saved and those that follow Christ, how many times have you tithed and how many times have you like, prayed over people and then your life become immeasurably better? Or that there's been something that's super dramatic that's really happened to you and caused you to really realize that God's justice is perfect. I mean, like we can all mention an, an occurrence like that. I know for me personally, I, um, my wife and I, since we've been tithing and tithing above and beyond like what we can, every time that we're like in a bind, God comes through. Every time that we think that we don't have enough money for something or, or, or that we're not going to take this next step, God puts us there. And it's not because we tithe, it's because of the posture of your heart. It's because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So I guess what I'm saying here is that God's justice is restorative. And we'll get to that later on. But what's important to know is that our perceptions are not important. Right. And we forget that. Like we forget that it's not about us. It's about God. We forget that there is a judge who is God and that he is the only one who truly knows the record book per se when it comes to rights and wrongs. Why is this important? Because we, especially here in America, at least for now, focus on intent when it comes to wrongs and rights. Why intent? We'll get into that later on, but Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Paul had just written in 1217 before, 1219, do not repay evil for evil. Hence why you see other verses of the Bible mentioning, if you get um, struck on one cheek, turn the other cheek and so on. What good does it do if someone lies about you and then you lie about them, right? Like what's the whole point of that reciprocal cycle that you have there? You might have gained pride, but no healing has occurred and the possibility for, for further hurt is far more likely than less hurt, right? So revenge can provide relief to certain people. Well, let me tell you, your relief is somebody else's discomfort. And like whenever one party loses, both parties lose, right? Because God would have it so that we all win. And that's a hard thing to grasp because oftentimes I can take the place of, you know, I get this, I get B from you because you did A to me, right? That is not typical biblical justice, right? Now there are times where, you know, the Bible mentions how if you dig a hole and then, you know, your neighbor's oxen falls in it, well then you're then liable for the oxen in, in question. And yes, you just 
you just lost. But then it mentions that you get the spoils of the oxen that you killed. God has an amazing way of making things work out for both parties. Um, but not just because he's perfect, but because his law makes common sense. Now, why is the Romans verses 12:19 and 12:17 so important? Because unlike other verses where we see Christians being told to be good because God said so, which is enough for me personally, but we see Paul mention that we shouldn't take revenge due to God being so much better at it than we are. I mean, have you seen the Old Testament? God worked so overtly back then before the remission of sins by Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in each one of us, upon the veil being torn, God would literally turn people to salt. And I don't mean metaphorically, but he would physically turn people to salt in his wrath. God would allow a battle to be won upon one of his chosen people, keeping their hands up in supplication to him during a battle and not lowering them. And that would equal success, right? So like when he kept his hands up, they would win and put them down, they would lose. God was pretty overt in his justice. And at one point, that chosen person did lower their hands, you know, like I mentioned before, and then, and then, and then the, battle, the battle began to be lost. Now, why is that important, right? That, again, that ties into faith and love right there, that that person loved God so much that he would listen to God, first of all, when God said, just keep your hands up and then you'll win, which seems pretty abstract. And then he had faith that as long as he did so, that he would win. And not only that, but he had two helpers with him as well that um, worked to keep his hands up as well, showing the total picture of, of three and one and showing t the total picture of love as well. God mentions that he wants us to not take revenge, not just because he's better at it, you know, doing to be perfect, righteous, and the, the creator of all life in the galaxy, but because when we take our own revenge, we may be diluting what God had in store. You know, not that we could usurp his plan, but if he intended you to bring your feelings to him and heal you and deal with the other person, you have now spurned your healing in exchange for taking God's role in your own hands, which is why it's important to let God do his thing. Now, let me give you a side note, right? But something to me that seems like an ultimately worthy side note. It's not wrong to desire justice or to wish others or yourselves to get what is deserved. You know, that's not a bad thing. Granted, if we all got what we deserved, then it'd be death and death, hell, and the grave, right? But you wouldn't want to not have God's timing for that, right? So, like, if you want a justice, God's timing is the best timing for that. This is where our pillar of faith comes in. What some people might be concerned about would be what if nothing happens, right? What if God shows mercy? Well, hasn't He shown mercy for your sins? Those who are saved can't forget that all of our sins have been washed away because God came down in human form to take the proverbial bullet for our sins, right? He literally experienced what we all deserve, right? When he took that cup of wrath from, from God the Father. Even those who haven't been saved yet also were covered by his sins. When we forgive others, we are literally channeling the example of Jesus by saying, I allow God to dispense with what he will, right? Let me leave with this before moving on. God has flooded the earth and thrust plagues upon an entire nation. He could have easily destroyed the world if he wanted to, right? Upon taking every single one of our sins, he could have just kept us shackled to the commandments and all the laws of the Old Testament because we would have deserved that, right? But he didn't. But he decided to take his own wrath upon himself. Think about that. 
He cannot abide evil. Therefore, his wrath isn't a negative thing, right? It's a righteous wrath, a purging of evil. He visited that perfect rage upon himself rather than smear us with it for eternity. To me, that's, that's epic. That's awesome. He came down to us and said, my blood makes you clean. Why should we ever avenge ourselves when a perfect God like that exists? I just, I, I can't give you a good excuse for that. Even so much as saying that we could all get access to him and his justice, not only just accepting him in our hearts. Too easy, too easy. So personally, I believe that faith is integral to justice. Justice is a great pillar, right? As it requires the other two pillars and is built upon our cornerstone of grace. In fact, this verse sums up their codependence. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, right? So we see here that we need God's justice because it causes growth. Why? Because God is the God of life, therefore growth, and he is perfect, enough said. <laughs> now I will say, I mentioned that last faith and love part because that verse like directly says it, right? It says, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we also have access by faith into this grace. It's about justice, faith, and grace, right? Now, how easy is it to just talk about the Old Testament and how often God renders justice and judgment in the form of punitive measures, right? That's pretty easy. We see tons of examples of God's giving out punitive measures of his justice. And God was certainly justified in doing so, but God's justice can and does include attributive qualities as well, positive qualities. This is a great point to talk about to non-Christians as well. We can see God's justice through Job getting back twofold his family and possessions. We see God's justice through Israel being led away from Egypt's tyranny. And then we also saw the plagues that rendered upon Egypt for their unrighteousness and how they treated Israel, right? So why is this important? We also saw Joseph betrayed by his family, but led to Egypt where he became a great man that was second only to the Pharaoh at the time. This means that God's justice turned what was meant for bad into good, right? And that's the redemptive power of a holy God. Like imagine if God had chosen to rewrite humanity instead of holding our hands for thousands of years and sending his son to die for our sins, right? Never leaving us. And, and then he, like, he even died for us. That is God's justice. I mean, he could have easily just snapped his fingers and then just redid the whole thing. But instead he persevered with us, right? He joined in life with us. Now, humanity has a predisposition to self-righteousness, right? We see this a lot, especially on those like revenge movies. We see that person who's either he's an anti-hero or she, or they're extremely like self-righteous about their revenge. We see this also in Cain when he killed his brother as he believed that he was in the right with God. Like he thought that his, his tithe and his giving to God was more righteous than his brothers, whereas God honored his brothers sacrifice and tithe more, right? Or, you know, he could have thought that if his brother wasn't alive, his gifts would be finally worthy enough to God, right? So he thought that he was good enough. He thought that what he was doing was right and didn't consult God on it first. And then got upset about it and then killed his brother. 
We need Jesus to wash us clean from sin. Like we need the Holy Spirit to guide us from sin and we need the Father to render his justice on us. Whatever his justice is, we need it. We need all that he can give us. We saw the righteousness of men when the Pharisees took it upon themselves to be the de facto religious leaders of the time. And like they were known for, you know, their excessive taxes. Um, at one point they had like a trading stand set up in the temple, which Jesus flipped tables about. The entire point here is that we as humans mess things up. Now, I'm going to go kind of off script here. Everyone has their own view of justice and everyone has their own view about what is right. You know, social justice, um, legislative justice, judicial justice. There's tons of different kinds of justice out there. And we are called to do justice, you know, and to act in our own lives. And that's, so, and that's okay. You know, like your kid misbehaves, um, the, the Bible does, you know, don't spare the, just say, don't spare the rod, right? But th th that doesn't mean that you have to spank your kid. It doesn't. You can, if that's what you feel led to do, you know, if that's the kind of measure that you want to take um, and it's supported. But there are other ways to get it done as well. And so what's great is that God gives us a conduit to himself to learn more about how justice works, right? And, and to learn that justice doesn't just mean getting justice. It doesn't mean getting even. It doesn't mean getting revenge. It doesn't mean getting um, compensation. It honestly means love. God would much rather you, instead of being confrontational and being um, argumentative, even if it's justified, to show love instead. Because oftentimes, the greatest justice is showing mercy. It, it would have been very easy for Luke in Star Wars to have just struck down his father the first two or three times that they fought. Or that any of the heroes in our books to just do things the easy way, just... I take care of the bad guy right there, but mercy was shown. And mercy is what made all of our hearts cry out and say that, yes, this is a great character in this book. This is a great character in the movie. And we do like to see that we do like to see like the Liam Neesons. But we also like to see their forgiveness as well. We like to see the Lukes, you know, redeeming their father and then bringing him back to the light side through mercy. And that's what God offers us. He offers the opportunity to understand that his justice will take care of that. God will take care of it. You just got to have faith. You got to have faith and love. And God is love. So hopefully you've enjoyed the show today. It was kind of a rambling show. I am very passionate about all these pillars and about what each means. And it's very easy to build a, a wonderful script and build a, a show off of, off of a topic that's very organized. But sometimes it's good just to kind of come out and then talk to you as I am. You're just off the script, you know, just talking to you from off the cuff here. To let you know that all of us that we're doing, all of us that we're, that we're talking about, it is biblical, right? And it's also subject to our like interpretations and to our lifestyle. And so it's important to know that if you're going to listen to this show, that you know that I'm trying to be as, as real with you as possible. I'm learning just as much as you guys are. And my goal is just to kind of embark upon a journey to where we all learn and grow together. And that we all learn about love and mercy and grace and faith and justice all these topics and it's going to be years and years of a journey but that is what God has called us to do he's called us to journey together so again thank you so much for listening to the show and for tuning in I really appreciate it thanks for choosing me out of your day instead of choosing anything else like news or our cat videos on YouTube um, and then I hope that God really inspires you and that you can go throughout your day and be blessed and 
I just pray in God's name that you all have a wonderful day and that um, if you have any questions or if or like if you want to hear about a certain topic that you just shoot me an email. But spread the word about the show and y'all have a blessed day. Thank you.